Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Win stacks of cash by entering the 150K Crack the Code giveaway. Brought to you by your local paper, now through July 14th. Look for the code on page A2. Then visit 150kgiveaway.com and submit your entry. You could win the grand prize of $100,000. Grab the paper every day. Get the code on page 2A and improve your chances to win tons of weekly cash prizes. Visit 150kgiveaway.com for details. Morning, Ralph. It's good to have you with us. Thank you. It's good to be here. You're coming up on a pretty busy week here. It about is a, a, what about a week away? It's it's very exciting. It's, it's one of those things It's like Christmas. All of a sudden, it's there. You know, it just it hits you, and you can't believe it's next week. Well, Christmas is in a new location, but you're still yeah. having Christmas this year. That's right. That's right. And, you know, there, there are a lot of pluses. There are negatives, and, and it's been discussed uh, at, at length with a lot of different groups. But overall, uh, the response has been overwhelming, and the pre-registrations on all of our events um, is at the highest level in our history so we're pretty encouraged by that. I think most people by now are familiar with you know sort of how it came to be out in Northeast I don't know that we need to go into that a lot today but let's talk you know instead more about what that means in terms of how are things going to be different this year what what does that change for for the people of I guess mainly for the people who participate in this people who want to go see bikes the people who are bikers and for the people of Erie who are maybe kind of used to people rumbling through town. Yeah, I think I think all that's going to still continue to happen. I don't think that all goes away. Uh, I think there are still going to be bikes in town. I think there's still going to be bikes going to the restaurants and, and doing those things. They're, they're visiting us, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the hub is, is the key, though. The hub is where we are going to be... Um, hosting all of the um, major concerts and all of the vendors and that type of thing. Uh, bikers like to ride, and the ride out to Northeast is a beautiful ride, and you have four options in getting there. Uh, and they're all great options, and they're all scenic options. And um, as you cut across 90, you get a beautiful shot of the lake uh, as you're coming into uh, 89 to get up, up to the, uh, the speedway. So the ride aspect of it, I think, is going to be great. I think the vendors are much happier in this setting than they were downtown. Uh, a lot of people don't realize, but we were losing vendors um, based on theft. There was a lot of stealing going on downtown. So when we shut down at night, a lot of our vendors were being robbed. And uh, some of them were reported, some of them were just closing up and leaving town. Assuming you're saying this is an easier area to secure, is that There's, right? there's no issue here. There are no people living in the middle of the event. And so that's a, there's a big difference there. And uh, I think that's a, that's a big aspect for our vendors. Plus, there's plenty of space for them. Uh, we have a lot of tractor trailers this year, uh, something more than we've had in the past. So we're up to 110 vendors right now. How does that compare to the past? It was 67 last year. So that's substantial. That's what I'm saying. Everything is up this year. Do you, see, you think that's partly a function of, of maybe needing more because... You know, maybe in the past someone would go to a vendor where someone else would duck into a local restaurant or bar. Mm-hmm. Is is part of it needing to replace that convenience? 
Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's no way Lake Erie Speedway is going to replace the Erie downtown vibe. That's a downtown place. You had lots of options, lots of places to go. You had uh, wonderful bars and restaurants and, and all that. And that's, that's an appeal. And you're downtown, you're walking the streets. It's pretty cool. Up in the racetrack, you don't have any of that. That doesn't exist. But what you do have, though, is a whole new vibe. And you have this vendor village. And it has all those amenities. It has multiple food vendors. It has multiple bars. Uh, so there are places that you can go. Uh, there are areas where there's entertainment. There are areas where there are tents and seating um, and just lots of different things. So uh, we think we've, we've we created a, a very positive festival uh, biker vibe at the Speedway, uh, and I think people are going to enjoy it. Yeah, I don't really remember. I, I've seen the numbers of people that you attracted. Mm -hmm. You can tell me how many people do you typically attract in a year? It's about 165,000. So that would be about 80,000 bikes. That's what that's my next question day, yeah. was. I wasn't sure what What's the breakdown two people was. On, we, we, we calculate based on two people on a bike. So that's not total people. You're talking about that many bikes coming to town. No, eight, about 80,000 bikes coming to town. Okay. And then you have about 165,000 people uh, coming in, uh, both in cars and on the back of bikes and the person on the bike. So in other words, you take that count, you double it for the number of people. Gotcha. And then, that, I mean, it's never where there's 165 at one time either. It's over four days. Sure. So it's spread out over a four-day period. I think people think there's 165,000 people all at one time. That's not the case. Sure. Well, you've got several days to work with. Right. Um, what are you expecting in terms of, you know, or what, what kind of concerns do you have or what did you have to address in terms of safety or what have, you, what have, what have been your worries or, um, you know, you've got yeah. some construction issues. And you've also got the inherent issue. I've actually heard people call me and say, I had a guy call me and say, hey, I like to come to town. He says, I'm a responsible guy, but I like to have a few beers. Mm -hmm. I like to go to the events, and I walk to my hotel. Do yeah. you, how, how do you see that being addressed? Do you see people, you know, what would you have someone do? What would you say to someone? Yeah, don't drink and don't ride. I mean, there's just that's a no-brainer. You don't, you don't drink alcohol and get on a motorcycle. So if your intent is to get to the point where you're buzzed and you can't ride, stay in downtown and go to your hotel. Um, I think that's your best bet. Mm -hmm. uh, this is about riding. We're, we're, we're out there to ride, not drink beer. Now, you can have a beer and still ride. You're fine. But the point is you don't drink to the point where you can't handle your motorcycle. And anybody who does should really stay home. And that goes for uh, if you were in downtown area and not downtown area. Keep in mind, too, there, there weren't that many people that walked to the event because you had the Avalon Hotel. Then you had the Gannon folks. So you right. met, maybe had three, 400 people that were doing that. Right. So out of 180, 165,000 people, that's a very minute group of people that need to drink and walk back to their hotels. Right. The rest of them were riding back. So my question would be, if it wasn't a problem in years past, why all of a sudden it is a problem now? What's so the difference between Uber having, before? Maybe they could absolutely. still do that now. You've got perhaps. all kinds of options. Take those options and and do it responsibly. I mean, there's no point ever in going to a place, getting trashed, and then getting on a motorcycle. You'd be you'd be um, out of your mind to do it. I think you've been really candid about saying, hey, there's, there's things we're going to miss about oh, yeah. downtown Erie. Oh, yeah. But on the other hand, I, I guess I'll ask you, what what opportunities in a good way does this present for you? Uh, I, I'm thinking of, you know, you're a little bit more of a relationship now with Peak and Peak. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the pluses in terms of what options does this open up for, for Roaring the Shore this year that maybe weren't there in the past? Yeah, I think for one thing, it's not disruptive to anyone. It's out in the uh, northeast area, up by the highway. It's not a highly um, populated area, so we're not, we're not interfering with a lot within the, in the neighborhood itself. 
uh, where this was in the heart of downtown and you had uh, noise factors and noise issues and you had other businesses. So on a positive basis, you know, there's no disruption really. Uh, and it's it's geared for what we're doing. So the facility itself is is geared for large groups. Mm-hmm. So for example, uh, we used to rent uh, porta johns for, for our folks. Sure. Um, now we have bathrooms, uh, actual stadium bathrooms. Uh, that's a that's a massive improvement over going into a porta john. Anybody who's used one knows that. <laughs> so there's there's that aspect of it. It's also a very condensed area in where the vendors will be lined up in uh, four rows and, and going across. So in other words, you'll be able to, to go through every vendor easily and see what's there and make a circle come back around and in, and in that process be able to stop, eat, and get other things, uh, get, a, get a beer or a drink or whatever it is you're going to do and sit down and enjoy yourself. And then the concert viewing is fantastic because it's partly stadium seating now. So you can actually go into the stadium, watch the um, uh, concert from there. You can go down on the track, watch the concert from there, and you can go in the beer garden, watch the concert from there. So you've got three options now where before you stood in the middle of State Street and you, you tried to get a view. This makes some room for some premium seating, that kind of thing? Yes, there's that, there's premium viewing in the front of the stage, right. but all the other areas are free, including the seating area. So if you want to sit in the stands and watch this concert, uh, that's free. We are talking about safety a second ago, um, and this is probably largely out of your hands. Do you have any worries about the construction that's going on? Is that something that's... Have you been able to talk to, to you know, New York and, and Pennsylvania yes. uh, PennDOT folks about that? Or PennDOT has been very, very cooperative with us and, and helped us a great deal uh, in getting our parade route uh, settled because that was a big issue. Where does the parade go? Uh, how long will it be? Where does it end up? That sort of thing. Uh, so PennDOT and the state police have been remarkably um, helpful in getting us there. Um, we spoke to PennDOT. Um, initially, they thought there might be a chance at 86 would be complete, at least on one lane paved. Right. Uh, that's not going to happen. So we're encouraging anyone who's coming out to uh, Rona Shore to avoid 86. So you can take 403, come up the back way around down 89, right. or you can go to the next exit, which is only four miles uh, um, east of, of the 86 exit, and get on 89 and then shoot up to the to, uh, to um, Rona Shore. So you've got lots of different options. You could take the Bayfront Highway, uh, come up and around, and then again pick up 403 or pick up uh, 90 and then take it over to the, the uh, 89 exit so it's it's easy to get to and you can avoid 86 completely i would encourage people to do so and it's at graded um millwork that's going on so they're the the, the that's not good for motorcycles so you yeah stay I, i've written on that before and it's a little yeah, disconcerting not good. not good not good i don't uh, i don't like doing it i never um i avoid it when i can in this case uh, i would encourage our folks to avoid it yeah um, you know, Ralph, I guess beside all the, besides all the changes this year, when you look at an event this big, it's, it's like throwing a very big party. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if you can give us some insight. And, and again, I'm not talking so much about the change, but just what's the work that goes into this? What's behind the scenes? You know, I think people might have the image that you start working this two weeks ago. And uh, <laughs> tell, us, I wish. tell us a little bit about who's working on this. How many people are involved behind the scenes, and and how this you know you've got multiple concert people to, to book, you've got vendors to line up. 
how does this all come together? Give us some insight. It, it actually begins the day after Roar. Uh, most people don't fully appreciate that comment, but it's true. Uh, the first thing you do is you start uh, signing up vendors again. And so that takes some work, and we do that right away while the vendors are still there. Uh, we also do a number of um, uh, infrastructure contracts in advance. So, for example, the electrical contractor will say, um, do you want us back next year? And the answer is yes. So they book those, those days for us. So there's a lot of that type of infrastructure work that goes on in advance, and that all requires deposits, and it requires commitments on everyone's part. Um, then, uh, as the months progress, the board meets, uh, they select their new charity for the following year, uh, then the work begins with that, and then all the work um, building up the program for next year begins in uh, January, and that's when we start contacting the various uh, headliners to see if they're available, what their prices are, and that type of thing. That generally takes about two and a half months, and that process involves airlines, hotels, travel, I mean, all the things that would go into bringing an act into town, and that's um, that's pretty extensive. Because you're taking care of putting them up, yeah. and um, how many people are involved in, in all these planning stages? I mean, obviously you're bored, but... Yeah. How many, you know, how many people on the ground are working on this? Well, during the event itself, there's about 120 people that are either volunteers or paid staff that are working the event. Mm -hmm. um, prior to that, there's um, two part-time people and me, and that's who does the work to get things all straight and put together for the year. So we do, we do the upfront work in advance, and then as the program nears, we start bringing more and more people in, and then the rides and all the other things are taken care of and then we have a tremendous support from the manufacturer and business association you guys are about 10 minutes in but i just wanted to ask ralph you're getting a lot of you know feedback on our facebook feed right now what has been or if you have you gotten any feedback from writers about the move in general yeah there are some that are not happy about it uh, they prefer a downtown environment i don't blame them uh and i you know i understand that but for the most part uh it's been very positive it's it's uh, the only thing I have to go by is this. Um, if you look at the parade and you look at the pre-registrations from year to year, we're up 500% on the parade. Now, I don't know how that happened, and I don't know why it happened, but I'm glad it happened. So we're up 500%. If you look at our rides, they're up three and 400%, depending on the ride. Uh, and the concerts are up about 400%, pre-registered. Those are people who've already paid. They're already coming. And one of the concerts is almost, uh, on the premium area, almost sold out. So I've never had that experience before. Uh, in our in our 12-year history so that tells me something um, it tells me that they're willing to give it a shot they're willing to try it and that's great and then if it's bad and if they don't like it then it goes away I guess so when you talk about the ride how many people were likely to be in this year's ride I, we're, we're estimating around 5,000 so based on the pre-registrations uh, we're moving toward that number very quickly now it's a, it's a longer ride this year. It's correct? much oh my god! It's much longer. It's it's going to be about an hour and twenty minutes. It's about forty one miles, but it's the most spectacular scene of of um, Northwest Pennsylvania countryside, man. Where, where's it go? Walk us through that a little uh, bit. If I if I, I can remember, it, the the first part of the ride is exactly the same as it has been every year. We did not want to disappoint those folks uh, that have been coming out for years and, and greeting us. So we we painstakingly moved. Uh, the back part of it outside the city of Erie because the city of Erie wouldn't issue the permits for the parade. So we had to, we had to you know, uh, develop a new path. But uh, you come out of the casino, uh, you shoot up to, uh, and you end up on, um, I think it's Robison and Old French Road, mm -hmm. which is where the stop usually is. And then we proceed down Old French Road, we get to 89, cross 89, over to Arbuckle, and Arbuckle to Lake Pleasant Road. 
go all the way down Lake Pleasant Road to Route uh, 8, then 8 to 89, 89 into the, into the speedway. So it's about 41 miles. It's got some spectacular um, scenes out there. Just rural America is just beautiful. And um, it's going to be a great ride. And it's a true ride. It's a good ride. So we're excited about it. And apparently so are a lot of other people. Okay. Um, you know, any particular worries? Or is, is, is this the kind of thing that weather, is, is weather the thing you worry about more than anything yeah, else? Yeah, it's, it's what keeps you up. Um, I mean, I, I, there are literally times where I can't sleep because um, I've always said one, one rainstorm during the middle of our event um, will cost our event its entire margin which means that we make a margin, a small margin on the event, and I don't think people realize it takes a half a million dollars to put this event on. It's a half a million dollars up front to put this event on. So you have to recover a half a million dollars in that process, plus the contribution to the, to the charity. And so that's a big nut to crack. When you lose a day, you lose a big chunk of that margin because you can't get it back. So I can't say, well, we lost Thursday, but Friday will be good. Friday was gonna be good, Thursday's gone. You've lost Thursday. So yeah, weather weather is a so you're back to break even at that point. Scared to death um, of the weather. <laughs> well, like we were talking, maybe we've got the we've got the rain out of the oh. system this year. Well, everybody pray, please. You know, <laughs> for all the events that are going on. I mean, every event, every every outdoor event. You know, rain is just uh, it's just. I was down in Johnstown at Thunder in the Valley, and Thursday night was the pouring rain, and it it, it just everyone disappeared. I'm sure you sympathize. With oh those my folks. oh my God, uh, Lisa, who runs the event, uh, is a good friend, and she just. I just, I told her, I said, I don't even know what to tell you. She said, well, you've been through it. You, you know how this works. So, yeah, weather is a factor. Big. You, you mentioned the charity. Tell us what the charity this year and, and yeah, your... Yeah, it's a NAMI, National Association of Mental Illness. Um, they want to start a, um, a uh, pilot program geared toward veterans and their families. So a lot of times when these young folks come back from serving, uh, there are issues. And they maybe have done things or have been involved in things that have had an impact on their on their health their well-being uh, when they come home they need support and the key area for that support according to the folks at NAMI is that uh, the family so this program that we're funding and we're funding the entire program for them pilot program focuses on training family members to work in conjunction with the returning veteran and they it's a family thing and we thought that was a very important thing uh, to support you talked about the potential for losing your margin mm -hmm. you know and uh uh, you know, you've given a lot of money away to charity. Do you ever think about maybe we should would you know, ratchet the charitable contribution back, or do you feel like that's something you yeah. want to stick with, or what? What's your position on on what you've done? So, there? well, that's a board decision, and so far they have they have stayed with the, the minimum of forty thousand mm -hmm. dollars. And last year we had to borrow the forty thousand dollars to give to the charity. Believe it or not, we had to go into reserves to pay the charity so that put us in in in, uh, in debt last year so Rona Shore last year was in debt that's why going back to this whole thing with the city what they were asking us to do was um, pay them seventy thousand dollars up front for the event and we don't have that money it doesn't exist doesn't exist so uh, it forced us to, to, to either uh, shut the program down because that was discussion about that just shut it down pay the pay the um, pay the deposits and walk away uh, we can't do it, or let's try something and see if it works. So this is the let's try something, see if it works here. So I'm hoping people will support that. What's going to be the highlight for you this year? Is there, is there a concert you look forward to? Is there? No, July 22nd is the day I look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I believe, I'm, the, I the yeah, day after, right? Yeah, I, I'm excited about Night Ranger, okay, because, uh -huh. you know, just, 
of the bands. I mean, they're all they're all great, but the Night Ranger to me uh, is something I'd like to see. I've never seen them in concert, and uh, I'd like to I you know grew up with that music, and I'd like to see them. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I also think Kim Coates. Um, talked to him a couple times. Uh, this is a this is our Grand Marshal. This is a nice guy. It's a really cool guy, and he's he's really genuinely looking forward to coming. And uh, so I'm looking forward to meeting him, too. Ralph, what's your process when you're thinking? I remember last year, I think you, now I'm going to draw a blank and who your Grand Marshal was last year. Oh, Rick Harrison. Rick from Pawn Stars, right? Right, right. Yeah. You know, what, what are you looking for when you're picking a Grand Marshal or when you're picking, choosing music? Do you have, what, what's, what's, what's the approach? What are you looking for? Well, a number, obviously a number of factors go into it. And, um, you know, pricing is always a big deal. Sure. Uh, availability is a big deal. People send me lists. Of great bands, I mean, beautiful list of these incredible bands, and I try to explain to them, well, you know, um, this band charges two hundred fifty thousand dollars to come, so we can't afford to bring that band. We'd like to, but we can't sure. do it, you know. You're so not it's you too, right? That's right. So, <laughs> so the point being that um, you look for uh, a band that you think has marketability. People want to see them. You take a look at our demographic. It's usually middle age. Um, so you look at those bands that were in that period of time, they're affordable, they're still around, and they're touring. So you try to match those things up with your demographic and uh, that kind of music, and um, you, you book it. And some years we've had great success, other years not so much, you know, like anything else in life. Yeah, some hits. Yeah, some hits and some misses. I think we've had some great grand marshals. Um, I, I haven't been disappointed in any of them. Um, they've been fun to work with, and every, every single one, and I'm not making this up, every single one, after the parade, looks at me and says, I can't believe I just experienced that. I swear to God, those are direct quotes. I can't believe what I just experienced. And it's America, man. It's America. It's people out tailgating, flags. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen. I mean, it really is wonderful. Well, Ralph, I appreciate the time today. I'd like to leave it with you to just give us, give our, our viewers watching today a, a final wrap-up of when this starts, when did it, when, when this ends, where they should go. Just... Give us a final wrap-up of, of what the, 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 you know, the details of Roar on the Shore 2019 are. Sure, and everything I'm about to say you can find on uh, www.roaronthashore.com. All the information is there. We have an app. Download the app. It has current information, schedule, and all that. Um, it's 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th. Come to, come to Roar on the Shore up at Lake Erie Speedway. Experience it. Tell us what you think. Uh, let us know how you feel about it. Come to the concerts. It's free. Admission is free. Everything is free. So there's no, you can walk up there and never reach into your pocket, but take in the experience. Look at the motorcycles, welcome the motorcycles, just take in the experience all at one time, and you know, I think you'll enjoy it. So please join us. Ralph, thanks again for being with us. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.